Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hello, Connected Parents. So in this episode, I want to talk about a dynamic that I see quite often with couples and in families. And this is certainly not all families, but it's a pretty common one. And it's the dynamic where the wife will come in, the mom will come into my office and say, you know what? I have four kids. Three of them are my kids. One of them is my husband. And she will be exhausted and frustrated and overworked with a profound sense that no one does anything to appreciate what she's done or to help her. And she is exhausted and tired and in a chronic state of frustration, disappointment, um, and over-functioning. And then the husband, and sometimes it's the reverse, sometimes it's the husband that's over-functioning and the wife is underfunctioning, but this is probably the more common one that I see in my office. And the husband is also tired and feels uh, bossed around and also unappreciated and not given any credit and overruled and um, sent to the periphery and constantly bothered and will chronically underfunction. So we'll you know, just stop doing things or ask a zillion questions first, which the wife then finds incredibly frustrating. Just do it. We've been, we've been living here for 20 years. How do you not know this? And there's this like dynamic that kind of goes on and on and on. Um, it then spreads out. So the kids watch this, the kids see this now parents listening, because I work with kids, uh, a lot of kids actually, and have for many, many years, they are the eyes and ears of the house. They are watching and listening and paying attention and learning the entire time. And you think they're not listening to these conversations, but they are listening to these conversations. They are listening to way more than you think. And so they're watching, oh, well, this is how a relationship works. And this is how moms should be. And this is how dads should be. And they're learning. So we really wanna be thinking about, first of all, are we happy with this dynamic? But also would we want our children to live out this same dynamic? So those of you familiar with my work know that I'm really, um, one of the profound things that I understand about human beings and also about reality is that it is based on subjective interpretation. That reality is an interpretation. There is no such thing as reality exactly the way that we see it. Only we see it exactly that way. Everyone else has their own interpretation so that the world and interactions are intersubjective, meaning that we filter those experiences through our own lens. You know, did we have a good morning with our kids? Did we have a fight with our teenager on the way to driving them to school? Um, did we check our bank account and freak out? That can all uh, affect how we perceive all our interactions throughout the day. And then there are deeper things that affect us, our own childhood issues or trauma, disappointments, failures, uh, successes, all of those things create this veil that we see the world through. 
And so we are constantly interpreting the world based on whatever lens happens to be right in front of us. And so when we interact with our kids and with our siblings and in-laws and parents and primarily our spouses, we interpret those interactions through that veil. Now, there are a few podcasts I want you to listen to. I want you to listen to the one on polarizing because I'm going to refer to that in this podcast. Have a listen to that. That's a, that really explains how parents kind of polarize and overcompensate for what they believe is a weakness in the other one's parenting, which kind of throws the whole thing off. It creates a big wobble. Um, there's also a really good one on ranting. And in that podcast, I talk about how the thoughts that we are ruminating on, the thoughts that we are thinking about that just go round and round and round. And oh, of course, well, why would anyone put anything in the dishwasher or just put it in the sink? Because I'll do it. That's why, because it's always me. And that kind of ranting that we constantly, constantly go through in our heads creates biochemistry in our bodies and also uh, leaves us kind of poised for the next interaction that we happen to have with whoever walks in the room. So we are complicated and we are messy and family dynamics are messy and they can be wonderful and incredible. And you can share emotions and experiences with the humans that are close to you in your life in ways that you can't with anyone else, but you also experience such frustration and sadness and profound anger and it can take us to kind of the, the darkest places of our soul sometimes. So I want you to listen to the podcast on ranting too. But let's come back to this dynamic of the over-functioning mom and the under-functioning dad. Now, what happens with the over-functioning mom is she is exhausted. She does nothing for herself. She does it because no one else does it. But here's the issue. No one else does it because she does it. Everything is a polarity. So whatever we're complaining about in our lives, whatever we're experiencing in our lives, we have to own at least half of it. And when you realize that, you'll understand that you have far more power in your lives than you realize and far more um, influence on the people that you love in a good way than you ever thought possible. But it means that you have to examine your own behavior and your own choices and really look at that. And first of all, ask yourself a question, why am I doing this? How does, how does my uh, doing this task and over-functioning actually play out with the rest of my family? And what usually happens is the kids and the husband will say, well, I, why should I do it? Because I know she's going to do it. So I don't have to think about it. I can take it off my plate. Or I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it wrong. She's going to tell me I didn't do it right. And she told me 50 times to do it this way. And I didn't do it exactly the way that she wanted. So I'm not going to do it at all. Or I'm going to wait until she yells at me because then I really know that she wants me to do it because I'm not holding that in my head. I don't have to. Why would I carry that around if my wife is carrying that around? And sometimes, if not often, there is either a conscious or subconscious uh, reaction. You know what? I see that laundry there that I'm stepping over. I've stepped over it for two days, but you know what? She is so nasty to me. She is so mean to me. She makes me feel terrible. So I'm going to step over that laundry be a very passive aggressive way to tick her off. And then of course, the overfunctioning wife steps up to that, that set of stairs and sees that laundry and goes off, right? So there's this, this dynamic. And you know, when I have couples in my office, you never get anywhere by pointing at the other person and wanting them to change. You don't have power over that person. In fact, 
if you live your life to the degree that other people have to behave a certain way so that you can be happy, that is a dangerous and exhausting trap. It is a terrible trap and it will, it will not work. Uh, the more you depend on other people to, to do what they need to do, to behave in certain ways and feel certain ways so that you can feel happy, the more trapped you become. So that dynamic usually backfires. Now, the husband, this is his way of having some power, right? Of, 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 of correcting that polarity, correcting the fact that he feels powerless. And, but he does it in this way that takes power from the wife who is already, even though um, the husband may perceive her as the one telling everyone what to do, she is actually feeling incredibly powerless herself. Now, um, the husband needs to understand if there is behavior in his wife that he does not like, he has to own that. And the question needs to be, what am I doing? What am I, be how am I behaving? What choices am I making that are bringing that behavior out in my wife? Because that is half the story. And then taking small actions to correct that will actually change the dynamic. Maybe not at first, because people are habitual and they like things a certain way and they're not gonna notice at first. Systems don't like to change. But that understanding that we actually, we have to take the steps in our life that create the change. You know, we, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And that's a really important thing to understand. And, and that is not to make people feel blamed in any way. It's to help you feel empowered, that you can make different choices, you can change the lens, you can switch the lens, and you can experience things very, very differently. Now, this dynamic wears away at a relationship because this is a strange uh, kind of mix-up of roles. So one of the first things to, to suffer is intimacy, right? Your sex life goes out the window because, you know, if you're the over-functioning wife and you see your husband as a dependent, you see your husband as one of the kids that you have to control and tell what to do, that is not sexy. <laughs> that is not appealing. That is not attractive. And so all of those feelings tend to go right out the window. And for the husband who feels nagged and harangued and picked on and unappreciated and whatever he does isn't seen um, to have his wife sort of in that um, kind of bossy caregiver mother kind of role is also not appealing and not sexy. So intimacy really does suffer. You know, as do kind of the fun moments, just being able to enjoy each other. You're so loaded with things that you've you know taken stock of throughout the day that you're just so irritated with each other at the end of the day that you can't even sit and watch a TV show and enjoy each other. So this dynamic will erode. So whenever you are giving your power away, so the husband who actually gives the power away and just becomes either passive aggressive or just doesn't bother um, kind of doing it because it's gonna be wrong anyway. Um, and if you're the wife and you're constantly doing everything for everyone else, it's just easier if I do it. It's not gonna get done, so I might as well do it. When you're giving all your power away, you're kind of ripping yourself off. You're cheating yourself and the self knows it. So here's the most important takeaway, I think, from this discussion is when we are mad at our spouse or our kids or whoever it is, and we're kind of doing that ranting thing in our head and we're really angry, 
we think it's because the other person needs to change their behavior. We think it's because the other person has wronged us. We are sitting in the role of a victim. And whenever you are sitting in the role of a victim, you're going to feel powerless. So the first realization is I have more power here than I think. What can I learn from this situation? Why am I, why am I still in this situation? What can I learn? How do I need to adapt? What do I need to do so that I can shift out of this unfortunate place that I'm in? Now you're in the position of a learner. Now you're in position of a student. You're kind of looking at your circumstances. You're looking at these contrasts and these contours in life. And you're thinking, okay, this keeps happening. This situation keeps showing up in my life all over the place. Um, what is it that I need to learn here? What do I need to do differently? How do I change? Now you have power, right? And this is very, very important. The other piece is when we're um, thinking about our spouse or our kids in this kind of negative way, your best self, your highest self, your um, vacation self, the part of you that loves life and just wants to be happy and just wants to enjoy everything is never going to agree with you. It's never going to agree with you. So when you are nasty and angry, either to that person or, or in your head about that person, you're going to feel this gap. You're going to feel this split off between your ego wanting to kind of bitch about it a little bit and your best self, which is like, oh, I don't want to be that person. I don't like that sound. I don't like the sound of my voice. I'm not liking this. Now we get confused. And we think that all of that discomfort and all of those feelings are because the other person has done this thing to us. But I'm telling you, it's because you are not agreeing with you in that moment. And when you immediately shift back to a place of what I call brain heart coherence, and this is all based on heart math and it's beautiful. I think I'm pretty sure I have another um, podcast on this as well. But when you just take a second, literally put your hand on your heart, imagine a kind of glow in the center of your chest and really send love to yourself. I know it sounds so corny guys, but really this, it makes such a difference. It will pull you out of reacting and pull you back into responding. So you just take a second, you send love to yourself and then you send love to that person. And you say, you know what? I, I'm so sorry that that person has chosen those behaviors and is struggling and is feeling powerless. And I'm going to look at my role in what I can do to fix that situation. If you send that, that um, experience just a little bit of compassion. Oh, I also did a, a podcast. I think a recent one actually on, on self-parenting and, and, um, self-compassion, just take a second and do that. You will shift out of reacting and you will center yourself and you'll like how you feel. And think about that. Like if you start thinking about all the good things about your husband or all the really cute things about your kids, you'll immediately feel better. Your body feels different. That's how you know negative feelings are not bad. They are not actually things in and of itself. They are information. It's an indicator. It's like the rumble strip on the side of the highway. When you're feeling those things, it means you are too far off from that compass facing north, from that heart-centered approach. And you're going to fling off it a hundred times a day, shake yourself off, stand up, take a breath, you know, do some breathing, put your hand on your heart and bring yourself back to the center. If you have to wander around the house and look at pictures, baby pictures, um, and don't just look at the pictures as a passive observer, look at those pictures and smile and feel that moment and take yourself back to the moment on the beach when that picture was taken or that, that birthday party. 
um, take yourself back to those moments and feel them and you will shift how your body is responding. Remember that the midbrain, whose job it is to keep you safe, it's the security, security center of the brain, it does not know the difference between your husband who's left all the cupboard door opens and, and the dishes in the sink and the laundry at the foot of the stairs and a saber-toothed tiger that's about to attack you. So when something is going, and it doesn't think in words, it thinks in, in feelings, biochemical um, signatures and images. So when you look at that sink and your heart starts racing and you, you can feel the blood rushing to your face and you start to clench up and you get, I can't believe this, I've told him 50 times. Then you go right there, your midbrain is activated and it thinks, okay, well, my village is under attack. Someone's gonna be here any minute or there's a saber-toothed tiger or, or a jaguar about to jump at me. And so what it does is it locks on to what you are seeing and what you are hearing. Your senses actually in, intensify because your brain wants you to survive that potentially dangerous and deadly situation. So you lock on now. Now all you can see are the things that are upsetting and triggering for you. And your heart starts pounding and cortisol is pumping through your body. That's the stress hormone. Adrenaline is pumping through your body. And the next person that walks in that room and asks for a glass of water is going to get it. Okay. Now the reason that's happening is your brain does not want to take your attention off of that for one second because that thing could leap at you or because that thing could come around the corner and get you. So you end up in this biochemically intensified state, which is why we lose it, which is why so many of us you know, fall asleep at night crying our eyes, oh, that's not who I wanna be, that's not the parent I wanna be, I'm the worst mother in the world, I'll do better tomorrow, and then you wake up tomorrow and do the same thing. It's very important to understand what's happening. Um, and for the husband who's listening to this, when you're, you know, your wife criticizes you and you kind of lock onto that feeling, oh, here she goes again, I can't do anything right, why do I even come home, blah, blah, blah. So you go there, again, the exact same thing happens. Your, your midbrain cannot tell the difference between your wife asking you to do something or, or complaining that you haven't done something and a saber-toothed tiger that's about to leap at you. So we both end up in this, in this moment of incredible fear and anger, and we start reacting to our spouse instead of responding to our spouse. And then we just do that over and over and over again until all the happiness and joy has been sucked out of our lives. And the truth is we can shift that very easily by shifting our attention. So I'm gonna tell you a few quick things that you can do to really help. First of all, self-care self-compassion, you know, any time you can take a bath, go for a walk, do yoga by yourself. Um, I often re recommend for moms, I was just talking to a mom the other day who just wants to go in the Peloton in the morning, just like 20 minutes, that's it, just 20 minutes. And the kids are around her and bugging her and fighting with each other and slapping each other and asking her questions and it's exhausting and she's so tired. Um, so I, I suggest having like a little box, have a little basket of, it can just be toys that you've recycled and taken out of circulation for the last month or two and like shove them in there, have some new books, have some new things in there, put it out on the living room uh, floor and then say, here, have fun. I'm going on the Peloton and then have a reward um, after they can have a pizza for dinner on Friday. It doesn't have to, have to be a big thing. They get to get their way for the next half an hour, whatever it is with, of course, with safety boundaries um, so that you can get that time. But that's important background because you need to be taking care of yourself so that you can keep yourself biochemically calmer. 
So making sure to take time during the day to just drop your tongue in the bottom of your mouth and breathe. Go up and look at those photographs or pictures on your phone or close your eyes and take yourself back to a really beautiful time with your spouse or your kids and resonate with that. Don't just think about it passively, feel it. Because now you're sending a, a signal to the brain that you're happy and things are good and things are okay and your body will respond. It will send out different chemicals and you will experience the world very differently just from that. Um, the biggest piece of this is to realize that you are the architect of your life. You create your reality based on how you're responding to the, the events around you. And so there's a part of the brain called the reticular activation system. And this part of the brain is like a neural net. So there is so much happening in the brain. There's so much information, you know, we're commissioning and decommissioning cells, we're regulating body temperature, our heart is beating, we're regulating our breathing, we're we're doing all of these things, <clears throat> excuse me, all at once. The body's very busy and the brain is very busy and it's taking in all kinds of visual data and auditory data, even things that we're screening out or not paying attention to. The brain is taking all of that in. And so what happens is we get this very narrow bandwidth of what we're going to pay attention to. Otherwise we would like lose it. We, you just can't possibly process all of that information. And that's where the reticular activation system comes in. It basically tags things just like Google, right? So you'll tag certain things. No one ever puts dishes in the dishwasher. No one ever does what I asked them to do. I'm the only one that does this. I'm the only one that does that. And it pulls that into your awareness. Now, there might've been lots of times where people hung up their bag, did put the dishes in the dishwasher, did close the cupboard doors, did pick the laundry and take it upstairs, but that's not part of what's tagged. So your brain doesn't actually see that. It doesn't actually pull it into awareness. It only pulls in the things that have been tagged. So when you start to tag different things and you can do a little experiment, if you just kind of look around the room and start paying attention to everything you can see that's red, just notice all the red things, book jackets or something somebody's wearing, just, just kind of look at everything that's red and then close your eyes for a second. And before you try to remember all the things that are red, try to think of things that were blue. It's hard, to it's hard to find them. It's hard to think about them. And that's how the reticular activation system works. So you can reset that. You can wake up in the morning and decide, I'm gonna look for all the times my kids are pleasant for me today. I'm gonna look for all the small things that my husband does that I didn't have to tell him to do or that were thoughtful or he just did on his own. Because what happens when couples discuss this is they play what's, what's called uh, ping, I call ping pong, marital ping pong. Well, if you didn't do this and you didn't do that, and I asked you to do this and you didn't do that, well, I did this and I did this and you didn't notice when I did that. And how about the times that I did that? You never notice when I do that. And they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with their clipboards, their, their mental clipboards they, they're keeping track of that are not part of the other person's reticular activation system. So literally they have been not, they have not been noted they have not been experienced. So you're actually having two completely different reality conversations and then things escalate. So reset that uh, reticular activation system. Tell yourself from moment to moment, maybe for the morning and then again in the afternoon, again in the evening, that you're gonna set your brain to look for nice moments, to look for pleasant things, to look for quiet things, to look for thoughtful things. And then also start to set your intention to do things differently with your spouse, to either mirror to them first or ask them to do something in a very different way or um, just, just, just let them do it at their own pace. Sometimes it'll get done. It just won't get done at the exact time that you want to do it. 
And what happens with over-functioning moms is they, they actually assign themselves the role of being the director of the universe and they have to control everything. And then they're not comfortable anymore if anyone does it. Um, and that's what happens. The, the brain really just wants you to be happy. So it thinks by controlling things, if that makes you happy, then mm, that worked. So let's, you know what, let's control a few more things and maybe that'll work even better. And it becomes this um, out of control thing. And you sort of think, who, who am I? How did I become this person? I don't want to be this person. And then for um, the under-functioning dad, it's really time to kind of look in the mirror and think, you know what, why am I letting this happen? Why am I giving my power away? There are certain things I need to do and I'm just going to do them. And I don't just need to say, see, see, I put in the dishwasher. I hope you're happy. Like just do it and, and set your particular activation to look for the things that your wife does that are thoughtful and that are kind and how hard she's working and um, think about some small things, just the tiniest little things that you could do um, to make her happy. And you know, one of the things that's really important if like, the way to get to a woman's heart really is do these little things, like wipe the counter after or take the laundry upstairs. And honestly, for the over-functioning, when this is your dynamic and there's lots of couples where this is not the dynamic or it's the exact flip. Um, but if, if you sort of fit in this um, kind of general uh, pattern taking the laundry upstairs or doing something really small or putting the toothpaste cap on these tiny things are little miniature acts of love that is actually going to make your wife want to give you a big hug that will make your wife want to be closer to you that will actually bring intimacy to you so will kind of non-sexual touch just you know, putting your, your hand on her shoulder wipe, you know moving the hair from her eyes gazing in her eyes a little bit putting your hands on her cheeks thanking her for everything she does i mean it's astounding how, how beautiful and how helpful that is and how you won't want to do it maybe because you've you know been feeling like you haven't been treated so well, but do it and watch what happens. See what comes back to you, which is so amazing. And what will come back to you are very different biochemicals, oxytocin, serotonin, what are known as the here and now chemicals that bring you into the now, take you out of all the complaining and all the stuff that's going on in your life and bring you into the moment. And just make these little tiny steps, just there are so many couples that I've helped just by having them reset what they're seeing throughout the day, just looking for those things that their spouse does that are their lovely moments that are kind. And then the flip side is do those things and then watch how the wobbling settles down and how the closeness comes back and how the whole uh, energy in the household shifts and how much easier it is to bring yourself back into that beautiful state of brain heart coherence. And when you wobble and you lose it because you will, and we do, you repair and you reset and you do that over and over again. And guess what? Those little eyes are watching. Your kids are watching and you are teaching them beautiful and amazing things about how to work together as a couple, how to hold on to your own power as an individual, how not to overfunction, how not to underfunction, and how to work as a team. Hi, I'm Barrett Kaleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.